0: Would you stand this morning? Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Lord, we worship you this morning. When peace like a river. Ring-
1: anybody this morning that can testify that it is well with your soul. I'm thankful this morning that Jesus came and saved me, picked up a mess that was my life and made it into something. And I hope somebody can testify to that like me this morning, how great and awesome God is. We want to welcome you here this morning. We're so glad to see you on this cold morning. We're thankful that you're here in service here at Stratford Heights Church of God. If this is your first time ever to be at Stratford Heights Church of God, we want to tell you something today. You're home. You're home. You're not going to find a church. We're thankful for every church that's around here. The kingdom of God is being built through the local church. But we believe that God is doing something awesome here, and we believe that you're a part of it. So if this is your first time visiting here with us, we'd like for you to be seated, if you would, at this time. And some of those are going to welcome you and connect you to what's going on, what God is doing in this house and at this moment we want every member of Stratford Heights Church of God out of your seat welcoming our visitors loving on one another telling them how good it is to see them in God's house this morning God bless you
0: this joy that I have world didn't give to me this joy this joy that I have world Oh Oh In praise. Two, three, four. We glorify you this morning. He is the victor. He is the victor. The battle has already been won.
2: The grave could not contain you, <laughs> for you were.
3: Shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You
0: overcome. You overcome. Every hard thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome. You overcome. by accident that God has appointed you to be in this service Jesus this morning I want us to just take off the false faces Lord I want to be with you Lord I want you to see me for what I am whether you take it off or not he sees the other people Around you might be full, but God is not joy for pain.
4: pray for Israel, the nation that needs help, and not only Israel, but all the other countries where the Christians are being persecuted, and such evil is rampant. We know that prayer makes a difference. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now for these special needs. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You said as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so You were round about Your people forever. And we pray for that nation today, oh God. We come in agreement that you would give them protection and safety, that you wouldn't break open a revival in that land where all those that have heard of you would come to a saving knowledge. Lord, all the Christians that are witnessing and working in a revival area in the nation of Israel, God, continue to give them favor and bless them. Oh, God, go all over the world where your people are today. Every one of your children, Lord, give them protection. Give them victory, we pray, in the name of Jesus, because you see every one of your children today. And we hold them up in prayer to you, oh God. We come against the evil of men's hearts who want to take lives and make a show of it. Oh Lord, we ask you to put angels around about your children and protect them and keep them in Jesus' name. Thank you for hearing our petitions today, oh Lord. Thank you because you're here and we honor you and we praise you and we bless you today. Now, thank you, God. Have your way in the rest of the service today, and may souls be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank the Lord and praise him that he's heard our petitions as you're seated this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. We want to continue to worship the Lord today with our tithes and our offerings. And, you know, we hear a lot in the Scripture about how God loves a cheerful giver. I can remember the most cheerful person that that liked to give in my life. He's gone to heaven, but many years ago, a special friend of ours uh, hadn't been saved but two or three years. He came into church service, and he told Virgil that he was losing his property that week. He had to declare bankruptcy, that people owed him a lot of money. He couldn't get it in, and so he said, I've got $14 in my pocket. And I'm going to put this in the offering today. I'm going to give everything I've got left to God. And he put that $14 in. He said, when we left, he said, well, I'll see you later on. I've got all these bad, these bad things facing me this week. But along about the middle of the week, God sent a man in that owed him a lot of money. And he said, I've come, Dale, to pay you back what I owe you and give you some interest. Paid him hundreds of dollars. And he came into church on Wednesday night and he had his ties slip. He said, I've got my ties on a big lot of money that somebody paid me, that owed me. I just gave that $14 just to bless the Lord because I knew that it wouldn't answer any of my prayers and I could give it as an offering to the Lord. God loves a cheerful giver. And he gave cheerfully and he gave because that's all he had. Well, he gave that. His tithes in the offering, and he said, I'm gonna put five dollars in every service. So, every service he would come back and he'd bring five dollars with him. Later on, he got a job and he would always bring his tithes in. He was so happy, he just it it was like it was funny to him. He said, I just love trying the Lord and seeing what God will do. And as he blessed the Lord with his money, a five dollar bill in every offering, Sunday school the morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night service and prayer meeting. He would bring a $5 bill. So a little bit later on, I was close to them and he was putting in $10 bills. And I said, Reva, what's your husband doing? She said, well, he's kind of gone off the deep end. Now he's given, he's given $10 every offering just because he gave that $14 to the Lord and God began to bless him. He thinks that uh, he could just out God. So he kept on and and then in a few weeks later, he'd come in and he'd have $20 bills. He put a $20 bill in the Sunday school in the morning worship and the, and the evening service besides his ties and the Wednesday service. He kept going, and Virgil got with him, and he said, I am having more fun. He said, I never had anything like this happen. I've got such a good job now. God has begun to bless me. He was cheerful in his giving. He thought it was, he kind of got the joke played on him because he didn't know that what would happen, but he said, they say you can't outgive God, so he just thought he'd try And finally, the last time I got count on him, he was putting $50 bills in every offering, in the Sunday school class, in the morning service, in the evening service on Wednesday night. He just kept on giving, and finally he said, now I'm not going to let my wife know what I'm giving. She's kind of against this. But I'm going to continue to give, And he gave, and God blessed him abundantly. It was without measure, and he wouldn't tell how much he put in each offering after a while because it got so much. And you know, that happened for four or five years, and he became like almost a millionaire just in a few short years because he hilariously gave to the Lord. Why don't you think about giving something to the Lord with all of your heart today? or borrow something from somebody. You know, if you needed money, I needed some money while I and I went over to Virgil. I said, loan me $10. And he did, so I'm going to pay him back. But I don't have to pay the Lord back. But I want you to get an offering out today to bless the Lord with. Don't worry about the bills. We're going to bless the Lord today. We're going to give hilariously because we love God. And we want to see His work go and His work grow. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Thank you tonight, today, for the privilege to give to your cause. Lord, we want to see the sick healed. We want to see people helped. We want to see the lost saved. We want to further your kingdom, and I pray your blessings upon this church today and these people as they give. Lord, bless them if somebody only has $14 today and wants to give it all. God, you can do a miracle with that. You can do a miracle with a dollar. You can do a miracle with a hundred dollar bill. Thank you for the many times that you have blessed us abundantly and supplied our needs as we tied and gave offerings to you. Supply every need this morning and bless this offering for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so good to see Brian here again. I want to say hello. Brian Green, stand up. I know pastor's probably going to tell about him, but I just want you to see this good looking guy on the front row. This is Peggy Green's son, and we want to welcome him. God bless you, Brian.
0: A widow that no one calls, there is one solution, one answer for it all. There is power in the name of Jesus, there is hope. and victory to claim there's healing in his holy presence there is power in his name a nation needing healing fighting for her life a church that needs revival broken man and wife but in the name of Jesus change
5: Let's give the Lord praise. Hey. Do you believe that this morning? The Bible says all power has been given in his name. In his name anything is possible. I believe in that. I believe in the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. That's what keeps me going. I don't have I don't put all my eggs In the religious basket, how many know religion will fail you? I don't put my my investments, I don't put all my confidence in bankers, and I don't put it in the job systems and the economy of this world. I certainly don't put it in the church or preachers, even the church of God. My confidence is in the one who has all power, who said he would build his church on his name solid rock the very gates of hell will try to come against it and he says it will not prevail that's who you're clapping for that's who you're praising today you're praising the lord who is the author and the finisher of your faith you're praising him and honoring him come on one more time let's give the lord praise (laughs) hallelujah amen That's another whole message. Don't sing songs like that. I'll preach on the name of Jesus any day. Man, I love the name of Jesus. You know, some folks like Nike. They they like, some of you really like Walmart. I don't know what that's about. I can't even go in there. Some of you really like McDonald's. I personally like Cheesecake Factory. We like things, we like names, we, we trust in the brand. Let me tell you something, Jesus never fails. He is awesome, powerful, mighty, he's real. He is our God. But I will not preach on that today. I'll preach part two in our Family Foundations message. We wanna talk about our families. How many of you know if we have strong families, we have a strong church? Amen. I want to say welcome to Brian Green, who is here. Liz had him stand. This is Peggy's son, Peggy Rundell, and she is so proud to have him here with us today. I told him he didn't know me, but when I was in campus choir at Lee University years ago, he was the celebrity coming in from New York City, and we were all excited to meet this guy. He has uh, been on Broadway as an actor. I've been to see *Starmites*. I saw that years ago. So this is a we're honored to have you here with us and especially uh, proud to see Peggy smiling so much. She is just happy she could be her and Dan together. So God bless you and thanks for coming. If you would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31. going to read three sections of scripture for our text today. John chapter 17 verse 23 and then we'll jump down to 1 John chapter 4 beginning with verse 7. I want to talk about the great mystery, the great mystery of what if we separate out all the junk, all the stuff that doesn't make sense, the illogical stuff that doesn't reason right with our own thinking and our own mind. If we sift through all of the things, the world, the church, all kinds of people throw in the mix, we just get right down to it Paul in writing in the Ephesians says it's a great mystery what is he talking about well I'm going to show you I believe he's talking about the love of God talks and he begins writing he says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh say that with me one one flesh one flesh This, he says, is a great mystery. Mystery, something that can't be figured out, can't be reasoned, doesn't make sense. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, amazing that Paul would write that that's, A great mystery some of you have felt that way for 40 years how in the world do we do that how do we love that fulfills the mystery that God's talking about in his word well let's look at John chapter 17 John chapter 17 verse 23 that entire chapter is beautiful you need to read it you need to study that because the chapter is a prayer one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed before he left the earth in his mission and went to the right hand of the Father. This is what he said. I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as, say even as, Jesus says, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now I just want to stop right there and just tell you what that means because that that blows my mind. Jesus now, Son of God, is praying to the Father. And he says, Lord, Father, I and them, and you and me. Just this big circular motion. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, so that the world will see there's a difference. How many of you know there ought to be a difference in the Christian and the person who lives in the world without Christ? There ought to be a difference. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of times. And as the church, as a representative of the church, I admit that. And it ain't right. Did I say ain't? Oh, goodness. It isn't right. It's not right. There should be a difference. But, he says, so that the world, to let the world know that you've sent me and have loved them, then I get to this part right here and it just, it breaks me up. And have loved them, even as, he's saying, you, Father, love them. Who's them? They, it's me, it's you. He says, you have loved them, Even as, just like, in the same way, with the same compassion, that you've loved me. Wow. So 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 then says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Well, let's take that out of King James Version for a moment. He that doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, that's impossible. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitute for our sins. So beloved, he says, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. You want to know how to love others? Let the love of God be perfected in you. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The Bible says he has shed abroad the love of God in our hearts by his spirit. Father, we ask your blessings on the word today. Pray that you will speak to us, challenge us, move us into a deeper place of faith confidence to honor you with our lives and our love, and I ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone agreed and said amen, amen, Amen. God bless you, you may be seated. It sounds kind of simple, it sounds simple, I mean, God is love, love one another as God has loved you solve all the problems of the world. The only problem is, it's not necessarily that simple, is it? Well, come on, it's not. I mean, we already know the statistics. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. One out of every two couples end in divorce. I wish I could tell you that the stats for the church, for the Christians, I wish I could tell you it's different, but it's not. It's actually the same. I look at that and I think about what we've talked about and how we've worshiped and how God has been present in our service today. And I, I think, God, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong when we look just like those who have no faith? Somebody would say, preacher, you shouldn't preach that, man. You, you're not going to build you a church like that. Oh, I, I disagree with you. Because I'm not really interested in building a church. I'm interested in building the kingdom of real, true people who have faith in a God who loves them and can change their whole life and can give them something supernatural in their lives simply because He is with them. I believe there should be a difference in you and me. And I believe that it it comes back to marriages, it comes back to families, sons, daughters extended family friends, people we work with, people we live with I think it's important that we truly get a grip and understand what it is to know God and how we can have His work alive in our lives in a way that reflects Him to the world and shows a big difference everywhere you go I look at People And I think, you know, we look at these stats, one out of every two couples in a divorce, and that causes me as a pastor to say, I mean, I know in this congregation alone, I mean, there's 20 to 30% of you that are not married. You're either divorced, you're widowed, or you're single. You've become unmarried for whatever reason, and here you are today, and you're like, well, how does this, how does this fit in with me? Why am I even here today? You should have sent out a notice that this service wasn't going to be relevant. The service is relevant to everyone. It's right for all of us. We should all be concerned with strong marriages and strong families. We all want to be very concerned with what God puts together to build the community of believers. It's important for us that marriages, whether married or unmarried, whether divorced or widowed, you want, you're here today, you want strong marriages. You want people to to be completely happy and Full of life and to live the life abundant that Christ promised in John chapter 10. We want that for everyone so it becomes relevant because it's also about something else. As I was praying, God, give me this great message. Give me fire. Give me something, a covenant message that will help me to express to the people the value and the power of marriage. I never got it. I mean, I'm being really religious. I mean, I was finding... You know, my favorite prayer place, Liz, I was, I was on the knee. And I'm like, God, give us something. Give me a revelation for marriages. Give me something that'll speak to the people that they'll all go, Ooh. And you know what he said? The only thing I got in my devotion was simply this He said, God is love. And I was like, oh, okay, see. I I need something a little, I mean, there's a lot of people here. I need something a little more powerful. He said, there is nothing more powerful. God is love. God is love. If we'll just take the simple message of God is love, I see a little kid. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they're weak, but he is strong, yes, Jesus. I think it's too high for me, I'm not going there. (laughs) Jesus loves me. The most the simplest message you could possibly see or hear on the face of the earth. And God says, You want to grow strong church? You want to grow strong marriages? You want Brad and Alyssa to be powerfully strong as they continue in their years of marriage together? You want them to be strong and powerful as a representation to the world that God has come to the earth? God is love. Understand it. Get it in your mind and in your spirit and begin to live it out and express it. You know, I'm going to tell you, if you're here today and you've got all kinds of questions and problems and your marriage is falling apart and you're not sure exactly what tomorrow holds, if you're ready to throw in the towel, it's been hard work and you're just done, you're frustrated, you're upset, you've had it, you're, you're ready to walk out, give up, listen to me today. God is love. God's got an answer for every concern, every problem you're facing, no matter what it is. You say, Pastor, it can't be that simple. Oh yes, it can. We make it so much more difficult. How do we reach a lost world? How do we reach our community? How do we reach into the hurting and the lost out here who literally have no answers and they're trying to fill the void with so many different things in the world? How are we to answer the questions they're asking? God is love. God is love. He loved the whole world that he gave, his only begotten son. He loved the whole world that he had a plan in mind, a design in order to reconcile us because he loved us enough to give us that free choice, that free will to make our own decisions. Someone has said, why in the world didn't he make it so we couldn't sin? I give you a A simple answer, one that's been in my mind for years. It's simply this. You can't say you really love someone if you can't say you don't. It's not real love if I don't have the choice not to love you. It's not real unless I choose to love you. God laid bare before the entire world the proposition of choice love me. See the world that I've made for you? See all that I've given to you? What does he require? Love me. Oh, come on, it's got to be harder than that. No, it's not. Just love him. And in this is a perfect experience, a supernatural experience that comes just bellowing into your soul that challenges you and touches you and changes who you are. The answer to every crisis in your job, the answer to every marriage difficulty in every divorce court, the answer to every wayward child and son or daughter who's lost in the world, the answer to the problems you have in the neighborhood, the problems all can be solved in one simple little understanding that God has the power through his love to transform and change all things. Nothing, nothing. Underneath the shadow of God's love cannot be absolutely transformed and turned around. It's healing is because he loves us. Provision is because he loves us. Salvation is because he loves us. When we start looking to ourselves and we start calling out our own shots and making our own decisions and our lists get long about how people have offended us and hurt us and made us angry and mad and bitter and upset and unforgiving. All of these things are when we are nothing but selfish. As a matter of fact, say what you want. Put all excuses aside. No more pointing fingers and blaming the other guy. Every crisis, problem, concern you have in your life with other humans is because somebody is being selfish. Selfish. What do I mean by selfish? It could even be as innocent as this. Loving them through your own effort, your own strength. Not loving them through the love of God. You see, you at your very best, the best you can do, every husband in here, the very best work you'll ever do in your marriage is when you have real love pouring through you, and you bring that home every day. The best wife that you can possibly be on the face of the earth is not your talents, your abilities, your homemaking skill, or your money-making ability. It's all in the love you bring to the family. Love. Love is what he brought to the earth. At Bethlehem, that was love. Love. Love was what rose from the grave at Easter. It was love then and it's love now. It's love in your family now that will make the difference. Stop trying to do it all in your own strength. Stop trying to live in your own power. Get underneath the simple message of God's love and let the power of the creator of the universe literally begin to transform every word and every effort and every action and every attitude of your life and watch it change overnight. Watch it change. The power of God's love alive in our lives makes the huge difference. That's the key to a strong marriage. That's the key to living a life of victory. That is what brings us to this place where we have a true understanding of who God is and what is required of us. Selfish means really just loving in your own strength. God wants us to understand his power and his strength to help us get through our everyday lives, to make a difference. The power of the universe living through us, in us, out of us, so that we can make a difference everywhere we go. I'm tired of seeing Christians walking around, living their lives just like everybody else. When you have experienced something from God, when you've experienced him coming in to make a you a brand new creature in Christ and you are living a life that says I've accepted the creator God in my heart and in my life and I am now a Christian there ought to be a difference that you don't have to tell anybody about you don't have to tell them how great you are you don't have to tell them you're a Christian you don't have to announce it you ought to be a walking billboard everywhere you go they ought to see a light in your face Hear it in your voice. It ought to come out in your love. It ought to come out in how kind you are, and good you are, and patient you are, enduring you are. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love suffers long. It's kind. It's patient. is it isn't easily provoked. It bears all things. And love never fails Well, we know that's impossible as a human because our love is so conditional, right? I mean, I love you if you're good. I love you if you're perfect. I love you as long as you don't betray me. I love you as long as you do what I say, live right. Our lives are so conditioned in this life, in this world, in our culture. So conditioned to love with exception. But see, when I say God is love, God loves you unconditionally. There is no end. He doesn't love you more when you're good than he loves you when you're bad my mind. Surely once I've done the song and dance, surely once I've paid my tithes for about three months, surely when I've attended church and I've done all those good things, God just favors me a little more, loves me a little more than he used to. He doesn't. Not because it doesn't matter, but because he can't love you more. And how very much he loves you now. He loves you. And he's given everything, everything bankrupt to the very throne next to him. In order that you would know that. That's the love he wants to be working in your marriage. That's the love he wants working in your family. He wants us to love. He wants us to be his love so that they will know. God wants the lost. Do you ever watch the news? I mean, I get so frustrated. I watch the news, the television, Terry, and all, all you ever hear is, is how the, the, the righteous right or, or the, the people who, who live their lives in the church tend to come across so negative to the world, to the lost. Why? Why do we not attract them with what's in us? Because I think we do so much in our own opposition to them, in our own opinions, our own filters, our own garbage, prejudices. We do so much in our own strength to live this self-righteousness. That they don't see Christ. God said he loved the whole world. Just the church? Just the good kids? For God so loved the whole world. What does Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 say? It says that Christ died for the ungodly. He died before they ever even looked his way. He died for the sinners without concern at that point whether they had signed the contract or not. The love we're talking about is a love that looks for the hurting and the lost, the drug addict, looks for the prostitute, looks for the one who's on his way down, the one that's been lying and cheating and stealing the one that's in trouble he looks for those the downhearted and the broken he looks for those that have not found their way out of the garbage of this life and he says i love you and he searches for them until he can find them he sends a light he sends a stranger he sends an angel he sends a message he sends a song whatever he's got to do he sends these everywhere what was it that ministered to you What was it that touched you that moved in your own heart and caused you to want to give your attention to God? Was it a message? Was it a song? Was it a friend's testimony? Was it what you saw in someone else's life? I don't know what it was for you. I remember what it was for me. And I'm so thankful that he found me, however he found me. And when he found me, he reached way down, and he pulled me up. And when he pulled me up, he gave me a whole new outlook on life. He changed me from the inside out, and I can now say That love must live through me and be out there, literally showing the world that there's a difference. Oh, God, help us. God, help us that we would show them there's something to Calvary more than just an old song, that there was more to him walking out of that tomb than just an Easter pageant. That it was power that changes us, that if we'll dare to trust, if we'll dare to lay before him every part of who we are, to trust that we will then encounter that same love in our lives. I looked at the sun the other day, and I was watching it through the trees going up, and I was just like, you did a good job on that. <laughs> Looking at the clouds, how every time you, you look up at the sky, it's a whole new canvas. I mean, isn't that beautiful? You never know what you're gonna see. It's like you could go outside your house and just go, okay, what'd you paint today? Oh, wow, look at that. Beautiful cloud formations, shadows, beautiful everywhere you look. So many beautiful things, and I am the weirdo. I'm the guy that's gotta pull off the highway. I gotta get out, take my little iPhone, and I gotta start taking photos, and I frame them perfectly. I gotta have the shot. I was in this beautiful church last night in Cincinnati. I know, I know, forgive me, it was Catholic. It was so beautiful, ornate. Reverent. Something to be said for reverence. For making his house beautiful, and as I walked down the marble floors and the pillars and the straight, I took a hundred pictures. I was just taking them everywhere. I was like, oh, and then I started. I did it. I did a selfie. I did a selfie. But I was so in love with this, I knew what I was preaching, and so I was thinking about the love of God, the power of God, and then here's this poor young couple that's gonna get married because they were about to suffer the wrath of me. As I walked up to him and I looked at the, the young man who was getting married, Rhett, and I said, Rhett, I said, you do realize these vows are sacred before God, don't you? He's like, yes, sir. I'm like, You understand how serious this is. This is a covenant, this is a vow. This is a promise. Till death do you part. It's <laughs> like, so, yeah, man, I get it. I'm like, okay, let's go. Then I get into the ceremony and everybody's teary-eyed. And I'm like, "Till death do you part. And she's like, I do. And I thought, you didn't think about it. Because it's so easy, isn't it, when everything's going well. When all is positive and everything's just fuzzy and warm and tingly and the butterflies. I could have looked at her and said, Will you lay your head on the chopping block for this man? I will. (laughs) Do you promise to love him? Comfort him? Care for him? Forsake all others to keep yourself only to him as long as you both shall live? I do, I do, I do. And she's laughing. And I'm like, I'll talk to you in a year. (laughs) Because something happens, doesn't it? Something takes place. It's like everybody does it. You've done it. You stood there and you were like, Carolyn, I don't know how long it was. Maybe I won't even ask you how long you and Larry have been married, but let's at least go five years. But you remember that day? You stood there and you were like, I do, I do, whatever. And Larry's like so happy, he can't hardly stand it. I do, I will. And thankfully, they have, but so many at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of better or worse, it's worse, the first sign of sickness or health, it's sick, they're sick, I'm sick, I'm going to die if I stay with them any longer. Someone told me one time, they said, yeah, you know that part about till death do us part? Well, what about, me? I'm going to die if I live another week in this house. I was like. Let's talk about that. But We look at those things and we don't understand. Our commitments are so conditional. And we go into them and we're ready to just give it all. And, and, and it's so easy to make the toughest commitments. But I want to remind you this morning, those vows are covenants and promises. To a God who's full of love, who promises that if you'll make that covenant, if you'll make that commitment if you'll give him your life, if you'll stay away from the current trend, which is to try everything, if you'll really make a commitment, jump all in, if you'll love him and trust him with your marriage, he is going to see you all the way through. Your love will fail, but God's love will never fail. He will always come through. He will always be there. He will give you strength when you need it, wisdom when you need it. He'll even let you know when it's time for you to keep quiet. God will help you to love your mate, to love your spouse. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll guide you and he'll teach you. The Holy Spirit will literally lead you and guide you. The love of God will keep you. But you've got to trust in him and give it all to him. You have to let him be God in your life. Be warned. Be careful. Those of you who've made that commitment, you've made that covenant, you've done that in your life, be careful I thought about this the other day and I thought, wow, you know, we we decide to become one with one another and you become one. We do the lighted unity candle. I mean, it's precious and you love it and you blow your candles out and you become one. We talk about in the sight of God, the two indeed become one. Understand that principle, one, that means that you become a part of that person in the sight of God. You're not two people any longer, you're one. And when you stand there in his presence, you never have the right to separate yourself from that other one that you've covenanted with, you've promised with. That's a son or a daughter of God. You gotta be careful how you treat God's son or God's daughter. You think when you married them, you got all rights to just chew on them anytime you want to, but you don't. Remember, that's one of God's sons. That's one of God's daughters. And you've covenanted before God that you're one together. Be careful. Be warned. How you treat one of God's children. It's a great mystery. We said, a great mystery. God is love. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. God is love. God loves Christ. Christ loves you. As God loves him, so he loves you. Now you go love one another. It's a beautiful little cycle. But notice how nothing in there involves you personally. It's all about the love of God that comes to you. And then he says, now because this is in you, now give. Give this love away. That's why when you deal with the world, when you're out there in the world, you ought not to be the crab. You ought not to be the whiner, the complainer. You ought not to look ugly to the world. Well, I'm just standing up for myself. Exactly. You're supposed to be standing up for Christ. Well, I'm just giving him a piece of my mind. Yeah, I know. You ain't got too much left. The love of God, Paul said, to know the width, the depth, the length, and the height. To comprehend with all the saints how amazing it is. Have you ever really read in Psalm 139 where David was, I think David was literally in this place where he was thinking about how much God loves him. And he said, oh oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. He says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it's too high. I can't reach it can't understand it I can't even comprehend it this is the love that builds your marriage this is the love that causes you to love your your family your kids this is the love that works through the Christian to the whole world it's the same God is love it's at work in every heart in every life It's at work in everything that we do. It's on the basketball court. It's at the school. It's at the workplace. It's in the neighborhood. It's right there across the fence. It's everywhere you are. The love of God causing you to live a supernatural dimension as a representation of the Lord. Proof, he said, to the world that God loves them is how you treat them, how you love them back and more true than anywhere else. Is it true in your family? Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ sacrificed everything for the church. He gave his life. He sacrificed his throne. He sacrificed the riches of heaven. He sacrificed the safety and security of his deity He laid down his divinity in order to become a common man, poor, with no place to lay his head. That's how you're to love your wife. Then Titus chapter 2 tells us, older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Why is that necessary? I talked about that a little bit last week because God made man and woman, and made everybody so different. You women, you're all about the cuddling, and the teddy bears, and the romantic Meg Ryan movie, and you like all that stuff. You wanna sit and just talk, just talk. Every detail, over and over and over again. Just talk, can we not just talk? And the hunter, the provider, the protector, the man, the hero, comes in after killing beasts and dragons. And she says, can we talk over coffee? He says, No. I have things to do. Like what? Go piddle in the garage. (laughs) I got weeds on the side yard. We're all different. And God says, man, I I made you tough, but learn to listen. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And ladies, it says train them, teach them how to love their husbands because it's different when you're constantly berating him and tearing him down. You can't do anything right. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why? Shh. It's not how you get. Productivity. That's not a honeydew list. That tears him down. So God in his words said, learn how to love each other. Through my love. God's love at work in you. He, he teaches you how to respond correctly. The husband will want to cuddle. And the wife will will want to go piddle in the garage. It'll all, two worlds will come beautifully together as one when you stop loving in your own strength and power and you make a decision to let God's love work through you. And the reason it's relevant to all of us is because, like I said, it touches every relationship. It touches your relationship with Olive Garden touches your relationship with the hospital, with your lawyer, with your boss, but especially with your husband and your wife. God's love alive in you, working. He knows everything about you. He knows best how to love through you. He knows what you need. And so when God's love is working in your mate and in you, then the needs are being met. God takes care of the problems. No need for a lawyer. No need for divorce. Not when God's working. There are no divorces in God's love. Somebody says, well, I've already went down that road. I understand. And no one can know the pain and the hurt that you've already been through. But what's, it's not important about the past. It's not really relevant today to talk about all that. Let that go. The God's love... Casts the past under his blood is washed from you whiter than snow. It's a brand new beginning, a brand new start. So, this is not about beating you over the head for what happened years ago. Man, it's all about this second, this minute, giving it all back to God and letting him love through you. I want everyone to stand with me, if you would. Got some new vows that I want you to make. I'm not going to make you repeat them after me because some may have to think about it a little while. But I want you to be committed to one another. I want you to be committed in a way that is not just mere emotion, not just feelings. How many know feelings go away? Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. I don't even know where that one came from. but was. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I want you, if you're standing there by your wife or your husband, would you just reach over and take them by the hand? If they're not here today, imagine them there, but don't grab your neighbor's hand. If they're up on stage, just wink at them. I want us to look at the vows. Said I scared that little couple last night. I think today they're totally committed to one another. But I want you to be committed. I want you to be committed, not to the process of your experience and your emotion and your feeling and even, even your commitment. I want you to commit to that one standing by you or that's in your life. I want you to commit to them with his strength and love. Here's some new vows for you. I promise to be your loving husband, wife until one of us is dead. I'm gonna let that sink in for a minute. Are you willing until the other one is dead? We are not going to be a divorce statistic, we are not going to throw in the towel the moment life gets tough. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like you every day. In fact, there might be a few days where I can't stand to be around you. But you will still be stuck with me because before you and God and all these people, I'm giving you my promise, my covenant, my vow. If you want proof that I love you, just look at your crazy family and think of how many Thanksgivings and Christmases I was willing and I am still willing to spend with them. This is how much I love you. I'm promising that even when you get wrinkled up in gray, I'm going to be committed to you. And I'm going to expect that you'll be committed to me because commitment is the only thing in God's love that will continue to make us work great. That's how God intended it. And I'm going to trust him to hold us together even when the world tries to tear us apart. If you get fat, large, plump, I will encourage you to be fit and healthy. But if you don't, I will love you anyway. If you get sick, I'll try to make you all better. But I won't love you any less if you don't. If you get older and sickness even causes you to forget who I am, I will work to make you fall in love with me all over again but I won't love you one bit less if you don't remember. I'll love you when our kids and our grandkids are depriving us of sleep and sanity. I'm going to love you whether we are rich or whether we're poor. I'm gonna love you no matter what God has for us. My plans will always include you. I will put your dreams ahead of my own. I will spend the rest of my life trying to make your life better with no regrets. And every day, I will thank God for the privilege of loving you, serving you, being your best friend, walking through this life, holding your hand. I love you. I would marry you all over again. Then I wrote this. Can we kiss now? I think it's sacred and holy. I want every couple right here standing next to your wife, your husband, to kiss one another. Go for it. It's going to be candlelight lunches, I can tell. I love you. I love you so much. I love our 100-year-old church. And I want the Morrisons. I want the the Biggs, Haskell Jenkins. From the very balconies of heaven, I want them looking down on the history of our church and say, they're doing good. I want you to be strong, and I want you to know truth and live it out every day. There's nothing more spiritual, there's nothing more sacred than I can do this morning than to preach a message on the love of God and how it parallels and connects to your marriage and to our lives. So I pray right now for each one of you. I want God to touch in this service every person, no matter who you are or where you've come from. And it starts, if you would, just for a moment, would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I don't know where you are or or what God's doing in your life or whether or not today is your day, if you're ready. But if God is knocking on your heart's door and there's an invitation being sent from heaven, then I would never walk out of this place and not give you an opportunity to experience the very thing that I believe is the most important decision you'll ever make. Having Jesus Christ in your life is the answer to every problem on the face of this earth, I promise you. And I pray right now that you'll make that decision. So with everyone here and everyone ready, if you're here and you need to accept Christ in your life, would you? Right where you stand, so that we can pray a prayer together. A prayer that, in and of itself, is just words. It doesn't mean anything if it's not prayed from your heart. But if you pray it from your heart, you in heaven are going to make a big, huge splash, and it's going to come together with a changed heart and life. And so I ask you right now are you here? Do you need Jesus in your life? If you do, would you lift up your hand right where you are and then right back down? God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? People are wanting to be saved this morning. Anyone else? God bless you. All right. I want these these folks that have lifted their hand, I want us to pray with them. And I'm believing that God's going to transform and change their entire life right here and right now. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer. Those of you who've lifted your hand, I think there's three or four of you that now have lifted your hand. I want you to pray that God will literally, in this moment, their lives will be transformed forever. Let's pray. Pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord. I know that you're the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. I ask you to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And live in me and through me. In the name of Jesus Christ. According to your word. As I have prayed this prayer from my heart. Confess you with my mouth. Your word says I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.
1: Thank you, Lord. We're going to close in prayer here in just a second. We're going to let the pastor get out to the lobby. He wants to meet all of our new folks today. As you go today, go in God's love. Love the whole world through God's love, through his eyes, through his hands, through his walk. Let's be a blessing to the world today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we honor you, and God, we thank you, Lord, for blessing us, for loving us so greatly and making such a wonderful, beautiful impression on our life. God, you've transformed us inside and out. God, anoint us and use us to love our spouses, to love our families, the people of the world. God, just like you would, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. You are so beautiful
0: uh, Yeah the things are Yeah they're to right there me, you, me to you are so